Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. My message this morning is titled, Just Can't Say No. Just Can't Say No. Now, I titled it that way because about this time of year, a little, probably three or four weeks later than this, but it was 47 years ago, I was returning to my home territory, spend the summers with my father, and um, during the summertime, my father would take us to church. All of us in the house went to the church um, every Sunday and, and Sunday night, and we went on Wednesday nights and this kind of thing. But I was returning with my oldest brother, Michael, who was just here last weekend with us, and then my uh, sister Lynn is the next sister older than I, and and so we came into um, came to my grandmother's house. We were supposed to stay the night with my grandmother in Fort Myers, Florida, and when we arrived, we realized it was um, it was probably around six thirty at night, and uh, Grandma wasn't there because Grandma's in church on Sunday night. That was back when they had church every Sunday night. And my grandmother was in church, and we realized that because we knew her grandmother. And so we uh, traveled over to the church. And because I was the youngest in the car and uh, and such, I would say I was elected, but it was more of an appointment than an election. <laughs> to go in and get the key from grandmother so I could return and we could all go to the back to her house and get in the house now. And uh, when I went, went in, I'm going to use you for the illustration again in the second service. Would you come and act like this is the pew? And in this case, Pastor Amy represents me, and I'm representing my grandmother in this case. <laughs> She's doing it again. Doing it again. I did not look like a, a poodle sitting on a chair beside my grandmother. In the pew, I slid in beside my my grandmother, and I leaned over to her, and I said, Grandma, um, could I get the key to the house? Mike and Lynn are out in the car, and we want to go into the house. And she just looked over at me, and she put her hand on my leg like this and said, You just sit right there, son. And those of you who are my age or they're about my age will fully comprehend the dilemma I am now in. Really, there was no question of what my response would be. I was there. That was that. Whatever happened with my brother and my sister, it's Florida, it's August, I'm sure it was bad outside, but I'm in the air condition now, and Grandma said, sit, son. And so I sat. Thank you, dear. You did wonderful... Now, I want you, I share that story with a purpose. While I went in with the full intent of getting the keys, um, and going back outside, then to her house, of course, my plan was altered by one of greater influence. 
Um, I just couldn't say no to my grandmother. Now, those of you, again, that are a little bit old school, understand this concept. Let me explain it to those of you who are younger. If I had said to my grandmother, give me the key, I'm out of here. Myrna on the back pew would have heard the slap that would have been across my head. And... You know, I would never have considered disrespecting my grandmother. I would never have considered disrespecting the pastor and leadership of the church. And I never would have wanted to have the pain that would have accompanied that answer or response. It was never a question for me. When my grandmother said, you sit right there, I sat right there and made no noise to indicate my displeasure. That single event, that interaction, that decision alteration changed the course of my life. I stand in this pulpit today as a direct result of my grandmother say, you sit right there. And while I was saved... And would have gone to heaven before that moment. I ended up at the altar that night. Have no clue. I can't tell you what the preacher preached. All I know is when I went to that altar. About six Pentecostal women gathered around this 14 year old boy. And began praying in the spirit. And God got a hold of me that night and never let go. How many of you know someone you can just, you just cannot say no to? If your spouse didn't raise their hand right then, maybe there's a little bit of trouble coming in your life. I'm prophetically speaking right now. I want to talk to you about Apostle Peter right now uh, in this message today and my first main point is Peter is comfortable. I'm in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to begin at verse 9. I'm going to read quite a few verses here. This is the New Living Translation that I have for you on the uh, overhead presentation. The next day as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. All right, I want you to catch that this morning. Before you move to the next part, focus on this. Peter was hungry. And I'll explain a little bit why. Look at at this next part. But while a meal was being prepared. Okay, I want you to understand something about the preparation of a meal. Especially in that day. If there was meat, an animal had to die. Now, I know that's a foreign concept to a few of you, but because you've only ever bought meat in a grocery store, but they prepared their meal. And it started, when you say scratch, their scratch and your scratch is a whole different game. So, while the meal was being prepared, we're talking about an event, not a 
There's no microwave involved. There's not even a stove. They're building a fire. Somebody's slaying some kind of animal. And they're eating hours later. Peter's on the roof. He's hungry. It's the short story. He fell into a trance. I say that's what, that's what the scripture says, a New Living Translation, a type of trance, but it's more, you and I would understand it as a vision. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated. It does use the word vision there. Was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Let me give you a little bit of context to this situation. Some of you know this story well, what's about to take place. Uh, Peter's at the house of a tanner. Um, <laughs> that in itself was a breach of what a good Jew should not be doing. Tanners tanned hides of animals, uh, and that means there were killed animals. And they took the hides and they used the hides to make um, usually containers for for holding water and or wine and and such. So he's at this household when this vision takes place. And, and so he's already on the path. His eyes are being opened as we speak. And we've read this part of the story, but there's more to it. Cornelius, who is a Roman citizen... And, and someone who loved God but not a Christian is praying and he gets a visit from an angel. The angel tells him what he needs to do. And so he's sending messengers to the place where Peter's staying. And he's seeing this vision. Now, let's talk about Peter for a moment. Peter, I'll describe him as a quickly ascending powerhouse for God. I really want you to get this picture because the uh, the church is at least a conservative estimate. The church has exploded to at least 8,000 people. I'll tell you that I think it was somewhere closer to 20,000 people at this point in the history of the church. And it's only just a short, we're talking months old at this stage. So it's, it's just barely going at this stage, if you will. There was all this, it's happening in the burgeoning church, I call it. The church is just bursting at the seam at this point. And there was the dramatic healing at the gate, beautiful with the lame man, and Peter was a part of that. So people, people are starting to get Peter's name. He's getting full name recognition at this stage. And, and, and not only that, to, to increase the awareness of Peter at this stage, at this point in the scriptures, Peter's already raised Dorcas or Tabitha from the dead. So, you know, 
you do something like that, people start to recognize your name. It's on their lips now. And he was, I'll describe him this way, full of faith and full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. He was quickly ascending. He was, at this stage, the best known of the apostles. His name was whispered and shouted around uh, that entire region at this stage. If people knew Peter was coming, they were going to show up to see him. His name was noised abroad, if you will. But he's also an Orthodox Jew. And that has or bears significance at this stage. It means that he would not eat certain meats, certain reptiles and no reptiles and or birds. They just wouldn't eat them. Only birds they would eat would be something like quail. Um, but but they, they just didn't eat general meats. All of you Puerto Ricans should be, oh my goodness, good to not be a Jew. Um, because that thing you like that's on all of your minds right now, uh, they couldn't eat it. And so, now, his, his there was no chicharron. Um, his, his response, if you will, was quick to the voice that he heard. His response was orthodox. This was simple. He didn't have to think about it. Peter didn't have to think about this. When the voice, didn't matter who the voice came from, he didn't think about it. He gave the politically correct response. He simply said straight up, no, not so, Lord. Um, I, I, I haven't done that. No. Some of us want our religion clean and simple. Just tell us what we need to do and what we don't need to do or shouldn't do. Down south, we'd say, hadn't ought to do. And we, we like it when it's simple like that. Just give me the rules. I know what the rules are. I know if I'm breaking them or if I'm not breaking them. But I'm going to tell some of you something that It may be difficult for you to comprehend. God wants you to have a close enough loving relationship with Him that you'll know what to do and not what to do. Because He wants you living in a place where you're communicating with Him close enough to know that even if it doesn't make sense to you at the moment, you'll obey that because you know it's Him. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I, I, you would like it simple so that there are no gray areas, but the unfortunate side effect of that is that you're not drawing near enough to Him to be wooed by His Holy Spirit so you know gentle directions versus flat out. But He wants to be close enough with you so that If he tells you today, when you pull out of that driveway and you head to Eaton Avenue, if he tells you to go right instead of left because you live in the left direction, that you'll do what he says versus what you always do. He's trying to build a relationship with you that's based on love. And he knows that you trust him and you'll do what he says regardless of how weird it sounds. 
And so what we have here is an oxymoron. I'll call it a divine oxymoron. You're going to learn a little something in church. You've heard the word perhaps somewhere along the way, um, but but you're going to catch a little more. And, and I have it for you. I have it, the description, a figure of speech in which mutually incompatible terms are combined as in a deafening silence. You see there that those are words that don't blend. A deafening silence or a mournful optimist. See, the words don't work together. They're incongruous. There's another word for you uh, to work on today. They, they don't mix well together. What we have here is an oxymoron. Let me explain it to you. To say not so, Lord, or surely not, Lord, is an oxymoron. What do you mean, preacher? Listen, you don't refer to someone as Lord and then tell them no. Right? Come on. Y'all are practical. You understand this concept, don't you? It's a capital L in the scriptures. So this, the scriptures at least are indicating that this is a, this is the Lord. And so do you refer to someone as like, he, no more than I would have said, give me those keys, grandma. I'm out of here. It doesn't make sense for Peter to say, not so, Lord. You still with me? Have you ever said something and the moment you said it, thought, I wish I hadn't said that? Yeah, yeah, if you're married, this is really poignant, isn't it? You just, you just wish you had a rewind and a do-over, right? But even if you get a do-over, it still doesn't work because they know what you said the first time. Thank God with my grandmother, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do a, a you know, I didn't have to retract anything and, and obviously the greater thank God is here I stand in this pulpit this morning. And there's a direct connection to that one moment, that one little gesture changed the course of my life. Peter was clearly what I call a confused, committed follower of Jesus Christ. He's confused. And and I'll help explain to you his dilemma, his struggle, but he was confused. It's clear that Peter was confused by what he was seeing, what he was hearing, what he was being told to do. It didn't make sense to Peter. And and I I trust that you'll get this. Uh, Where was this response coming from? Because it was not from rebellion. At this stage, Peter's past that point where he's just doing things because he's a numbskull. Or just impulsive. Uh, he had gotten familiar with Holy Spirit. And so when those guys knock on the door, Peter knew what was up. He knew he was supposed to, these guys are coming and I need to go with them. But what's happening in the vision is Peter was trying to express the value and wisdom of his upbringing. 
And some of you older folks, you do got it right. You have been taught better. But in this vision, it must be that Peter didn't recognize the nature of the one speaking to him. Somehow, at least captured in the vision, he did not recognize the nature of the one that he was speaking to. Kind of like if that had been one of my brothers or sisters sitting there on that pew, and they told me, you just sit right here. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to say what I need to say. But that was my grandmother sitting there. And I knew she had authority. She had the authority to alter my thinking process. And, and I know there are, there are a ton of you young people in here have no concept of what I, I'm now talking about, but I would never disrespect my grandmother. I would never do such a thing in her face. I'd never say that, never say, nope, nope, it wasn't happening. But, This thought may trouble you, but it's the reality in this situation. Surely it wasn't God speaking to him. Peter already knew what God had said. I know that's confusing to you right now, but I'll explain. What I'm telling you is that Peter already, he had an already word from God. Listen to me when I say this. He had learned from his earliest childhood that Jews don't eat anything that was on that sheet. He'd been told that some 1,500 years. Every Jewish child had heard, don't eat that stuff. We don't eat that stuff. But it should be clear that you... Don't say no to someone you also refer to as Lord. Right? So that's why I refer to Peter as a confused, committed Christian. Even a leader in the church. He has to be confused by what he's saying. That's why it had to be. Have you moms ever said to a child three times? Ah, yeah. You understand then what the concept, what I'm talking about when you're trying to get a message across to one of your children. You'll say it a time, you'll say it again and again, and then you moms will pull out the big guns. When your father gets home, there's gonna be a reckoning. If you don't take care of that, I'm counting to three. Y'all never said that, have you? I'm counting to three. And then you drag out, trying to give them, trying to give them a, you're just holding, come on son, I don't want to have to give you a spanking. Put you in the corner. Have a time out. Take away the whatever. Privileges. I was before that time. There was no counting the three. That, y'all invented that. After my childhood. The counting to three. That didn't work. It was not necessary. I just. Yeah. Whatever. There are some. 
people you just don't say no to. And for us, you're listening to this, listening to me right now and saying, how could Peter say no, Lord? And that's the way I think of it myself. But how are we any different? It's easy to point the Peter at foot, at finger at Peter and say, what a fool. It's easy. It's easy for you to read the word because you even know the rest of the story. You have the privilege of knowing the rest of the story. But Peter's on the t- roof of a tanner's house seeing a vision of something that doesn't compute. It just doesn't compute. Like a dog looking at, hearing a strange noise. It just, he's twisting his head going, oh, not so, Lord. He see, he himself's in a trance. I don't know what's going on here, but you're not fooling me with that sheet of unclean animals and reptiles. I'm not eating that stuff. It's easy to point the finger at Peter. But are you saying that God has never said anything to you that was unclear? I'm about to trip you up. You've never challenged something that God's spoken to you? How many of you, you'll be honest with this preacher today and you'll say, yeah, preacher, I've manipulated what God said in his word to fit my circumstance and my situation. I'm sure God understands. You don't have to raise your hands for this next one, but you, you, you've estimated on your taxes. And it did not favor Uncle Sam. I got someone just last week tried to do this. I'm trying to sell something right now. And they said, I'll give you what you're asking for it, but would you tell the people I only... And I just, that was an easy response. I just wrote back to them and said, no, I don't play those games, bro. I'd rather give it to you $100 less and I'll pay the taxes. I ain't lying. Is I'm worth my integrity for that. But you understand what I'm saying to you now. Because you, every one of us at, okay, maybe there's a few of you that really have never done this. I don't want to swipe all of you as bad seed. But those of you understanding what I'm talking about have had those moments when you know what you're supposed to do, but you think, God, well, you understand. One little drink. I, I just, I just, you know, I know that, I know that weed is bad for you, but I just need one, just let me just do this one time. I'm, I'm talking to some of you now. So I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. And even those of you who are really good, you're really good until that last curse word you let out. So we know, well, but the Lord understands and grace is sufficient. I, I agree. But I at least want you to understand where Peter's at, right? This is confusing to Peter. In this case, it seems that Peter wasn't hearing what he wanted to hear. He wanted that voice to go back to, I understand, Peter. 
And he wanted what you do with your children. Again, back in my day, because I said so was sufficient. Y'all still with me? I know I'm doing old school on you folks, but uh, you know, you younger people, I'm just trying to bring you into the fold. When back in my day, my dad, my mom, they didn't have to explain it to me. They just said, because I said so. And that had to be sufficient. And Peter got somebody that said, because I said so. There was not an explanation. Uh, we want the explanation. Well, why do you want me to eat something that I've been told all of my life I'm not supposed to eat? Peter wanted to hear. This is what he wanted to hear. There's some guys coming. They're going to answer the door. They're not Jews. You're going to go with them. You're going to preach in a household of Gentiles. That's what Peter wanted to hear. But that's not what he heard. I'm trying to get you to the place. Where you can understand the voice of Holy Spirit well enough that He doesn't have to give you the because of this and because of that. And He has to give you the four steps to getting to where He wants you to be. He just wants you to trust Him. Do what He says. So the challenge for us today is taking God's Word to mean what it says. Because you're living in a world that will manipulate the word of God to say something completely different than it actually says. But mankind's been doing that since the word was written. So this isn't news. And rather than going off on that tangent where I'd like to go for a while, you you understand the concept. We live in a world that... That takes what is plain and clear and makes it complicated. It's really simple. It makes it complicated. And you live in that world that says, but don't you understand? This is my nature. This is how I was made. This is how I feel. This is how I think. And that begins to overshadow what God said. Peter does get the message. In Acts chapter 11, now verses 1 through 3. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. So, sometimes you may get a word from God that won't make sense to people that you love and respect. I can say that from personal testimony. When I began to espouse to my family that I felt called by God to do full-time ministry, questions were raised. And these were people that I loved and respected. But questions were raised. How are you going to live on a preacher's salary? Because they were only familiar with what they were familiar with. And they, <laughs> my own father served in leadership in the church that he was part of. And he knew what they were paying him, that pastor. How are you going to live on, how are you going to raise a family on that? How are you going to do that? Get married, find a wife, and supposed to get by with them. 
doesn't have to make sense to others. It doesn't have to fit their picture. I bore a responsibility of the voice I heard. The first believers, you see, that came out of the day of Pentecost, they were Jewish. You understand that, right? First believers were Jews. Do y'all remember? Do you know that Jesus was a Jew? He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was presented. When he was presented in the temple, that's what it was about. They took care of that business in the temple. Thank you for not doing that with us. But Peter had to report back to the leadership. That's what's happening now. He's been to the household of Cornelius. He preached the word. The Holy Spirit fell. They spoke in tongues. And so Peter's like, what was I to do? (laughs) I'm just preaching the word. Next thing I know, I hear these people speaking in tongues like they, like happened with us. You see, they were still practicing the ways of the Orthodox Jews. They were praying like Orthodox Jews when Orthodox Jews prayed. They were going to the temple like Orthodox Jews. But they loved Jesus. They were the ones you see who were in charge or leading the church at the time. In fact, the head of the church was James, the brother of Jesus. So the head of the church would have been a younger brother to Jesus. And Peter has to report back to him. Who, by the way, wasn't serving Jesus as long as he was. Peter, that is. But he's having to report back to them. We've heard! Bad news travels fast, doesn't it? (laughs) When you've done something wrong, it seems like everybody knows it, right? (laughs) Any of you watch the news? Stuff happens and people know about it. And, uh, I think I can tell a story in this, this service because we got a, just a little more time and I'll, I'll share a story when I was, I've shared this before at church, but, um, so you parents may want to close your ears of your younger children in this, uh, it's a PG 13 thing. And, um, don't worry. It's, don't worry, but, but, it it really tells the story. I uh, you, you know I was I came to the Lord at that moment, rededicated my life at age fourteen. So I went entirely through high school, uh, serving the Lord, and God did wonderful things in my life. And ended up transferring high schools. And had to go to a different high school in my junior or my senior year for my senior year. And so I ended up in this high school, and it was a small high school. And, had developed many friends because it was where I spent my summers in Wachula, Florida. And, 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 uh, graduation, uh, night, um, maybe it was prom. I'm not sure. One of the two. 
and, and there was a party afterwards, and I knew about it. Many of my friends were going to be at the party, and so I went to the party with all these people, and it was, it was odd. It was odd for me because I didn't typically party with these, but this was at one of the graduating seniors' house. And in fact, a preacher came out of that household. Uh, his, the younger brother to the one that was in my graduating class, was he became a preacher. And so anyway, I'm, we're going to the house where they all, and, and they start pulling out barrels, and there are drinks in those barrels. Not all of them are sodas. And, and, and mom is in the kitchen making a, making a slushy. It had strawberries in it. Some of y'all know where I'm going with that. I won't fill in the blank, but y'all know it had strawberries in it. Had some other stuff in it, and it was really tasty, and I had one of them. I just had one of them, so y'all don't get nervous. Just had one, but I had one. And I remember this. I came home that night. And when I got up the next morning, I was good. So again, just one, folks. I was 18 years old and, alright. I knew what I was doing, so I wasn't fooled. So I have to tell you that in, in honesty, I knew what I was drinking. And, but I thought, it's just one. I'm cool. And I got up the next morning and my stepmom walked into the kitchen and she said, did you enjoy that strawberry daiquiri? You know. I mean, I didn't get, you weren't even up when I got home. How do you know that I had that last night? Bad news travels fast, man. Because someone's child who was also there told someone else's mom who told my mom. Bad news travels. And that happened to Peter. Do you know he was in the house of the Gentiles? He was even eating with them. God forbid. Criticism hurts when it comes from those who matter the most, though, doesn't it? So Peter's criticized by these other Orthodox Jews who say, No, you you shouldn't have been in that household. You shouldn't have been eating with them. You shouldn't have been... Doing all this with them, you you can ignore criticism from people that you don't know, but when it comes from someone you regard as important, that hurts, doesn't it? Somebody you love criticizes you, it hurts. doesn't feel good. You'd like to wipe it away. You'd like to forget it. You'd like that it would never have happened. Now, this sounds ridiculous to us in this context, but to them, it was a valid argument. You have to understand, they knew that Peter had been taught from his childhood, you don't fraternize with the Gentiles. You don't go hanging out with them, you don't go into their homes, and you certainly don't eat with them. They had not, however, received the revelation that Peter received. Still with me? Let me take it to the next step. I got two more steps, but 
the next step is they were not responsible for the revelation that Peter received. Still with me? I want you to catch this. I want every one of you young and old alike to get this. There is coming a day when you will stand before God. In fact, it will be Jesus Christ who is the judge. And your harshest critic will have nothing to say to you on that day. The one that's told you time and time again. You shouldn't be in church. What are you doing in that place? Why do you abide by those rules? Why do you go down those pathways? The That person will have nothing to say to you or for you or speak on your behalf. And And stay with me still. Even the people that love you with the deepest of love and are your supporters, it won't matter if they're there on that day. They will have nothing that they can say. You will stand before Jesus alone. And you'll be asked, what did you do in response to what Jesus said to you? Mom, dad, brother, sister. It won't matter what he said to them. What did he say to you? How did you respond to what he gave you? So they weren't responsible for the revelation Peter received. Peter was responsible for the revelation he he received. You will stand before God on the day of judgment, not your critics or people that are in your corner. You will stand before God. Critics, not those who support you. And that may sound mean to you. It's not about the meanness of it. It's helping you have clarity that it doesn't matter what somebody else is thinking. It doesn't matter how somebody else feels. How did you respond to what God spoke to you, what God is speaking to you? He's made it really clear what you should be doing with your life. But look at what Peter says in Acts eleven fifteen through 18. I've already said it, but I'll, I'll give it to you from the scripture. As I began to speak, so Peter's speaking in the household of Cornelius. Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost or Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, wow, (laughs) that's my words. We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins And receiving eternal life. Their eyes were open to the revelation that God gave Peter. And Peter responded properly to that revelation. He went in obedience to the household of Cornelius. He preached the word and lo and behold, God descended. 
It was a repeat of the day of Pentecost. Only it was in the household of of Gentiles. And y'all ought to say, thank God. Peter obviously got the message. Who was I to stand in God's way? And if you get nothing, please get this before you leave today. We must all stand on our own spiritual feet. I think I made that clear just now. We must all stand on our own spiritual feet. And if you give God what He wants, if He, if you get the relationship with God that He's striving for you to have, it would be that you're so close to Him that He can gently lead you rather than give you some kind of written word or perspective that you must have. Otherwise, you're denied. No, you need to know what His voice says. You really need To understand his gentle wooings. Peter had a long ride to figure out what that vision meant that he received up on that roof top. Had a long ride to receive it. So I want to bring it to a conclusion now. Have you said no to the Lord? See, here's the thing where I get most of you. You... Nobody would like to admit that they've said no to the Lord, but it's more of a sin of omission than commission. We say no by our actions. We we say no by doing these things that please us rather than going the path that God's directed us on. And so here's what I want you to understand. It should speak into your life. Don't call him Lord if you say no to his bidding. We love the fact that he's our savior. That he gave himself for us. But this aspect that he is Lord, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? You might as well say amen or oh me. Dedicating ourselves, committing ourselves to His Lordship, that's a whole other thing. Don't claim Him as the Lord of your life if you're not willing to submit your life to Him and His plans. Don't claim Him as the Lord of your life if you're just not willing to commit your life to Him. And and listen, don't claim Him as Lord if you don't know Him well enough to know what His plans are for you. I know this is hard. This is a hard way. It's a harsh way to end the message. But I, I, I have to help you understand this concept that there comes a point where you need to be able to stand. You need to know His Word. You need to know His voice. You need to follow His voice. Because you live in a world that you're swimming against the tide to walk in what God says you must walk in. You're swimming against it. You're going against what seems practical, what seems normal. You know it. You're listening to it day in and day out. Things that do not make sense to you are happening around you. Your kids, God forbid your kids are in regular school these days. You've got to deprogram them. 
Because of what they're being taught as what is normal. And it seems weird to you because it is weird. It doesn't make sense to you because it doesn't make sense. So, why am I bothering to say all of this to you today? Because you have to be able to walk this out in your life. You don't need a vision from heaven to tell you that you are needing, you need to walk in obedience to God's word and God's way, even if it doesn't compute with people that surround you. But you say, what are his plans for you? I'm so glad you asked. Look at your neighbor right now and say, preacher's glad you asked that question. Because I have them for you. I found them in God's word. It's in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Here it is. And then he told them. You hear that? He told them. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. It could be summed up just in that. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. That's God's word for you. That's God speaking to you. Take this message into all the world. We advertised, we talked about the Billy Graham or the Franklin Graham. Uh, we're, we're the first stop, by the way, on his tour. Allentown, just first stop on his tour. You saw it on the little uh, thing we played for you. What a blessing. I'm committed to reaching this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a blessing that we, we get to join that. But this is the word of God for us, not me only. Not just Pastor Mackay and I. Not just our evangelist son-in-law and daughter. It's not, not just for them. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Here's what I, here's what I gotta leave you with. This is the hard stuff. Cause see, you bear some responsibility for your family, for your friends, for your neighborhood, for the community knowing about Jesus. You can't make them accept Jesus, but you bear responsibility that your family hears the message of the gospel with clarity. Your friends. You got neighbors that you look at day in and day out. On the weekend, they're celebrating nearby and you know they're partying and having a gay old time, but... You bear some responsibility. Have you ever told them that Jesus loves them and has a wonderful plan for their lives? Are you living in such a way that your message you send by your lifestyle is not confusing them and they're not hearing the gospel that you speak of because they're seeing something that doesn't compute? It's time for you to come down off the roof. Meet them at the doorway. And show them the love of Jesus Christ. 
in a very real way. You bear some responsibility. I can't let you off that hook. And everybody's manner and way isn't the same as everybody else's. What I mean by that, everybody's gifting doesn't fit into the same package. And so you will not necessarily be called to speak in a platform like I am today or like Pastor Mackay. No, you may not ever have Pastor Peggy's ability to counsel people on a professional level. You may not be that person. You may not even be a Sunday school teacher. But. You are responsible for sending people around the world to hear about Jesus if you're not directly going. You can give, can't you? To help others go around the world, but you can give to help support ministry like this and everybody can participate. We're, we're having this outreach on the 23rd. We need people that are gifted and have enough strength in their arms to set chairs out on a lawn. You don't have to have particular skill for that. You just have to show up and have the ability and willingness to do a little bit of labor. It may be 98 degrees on that day. Maybe. I don't control the weather. But are you willing to use what God has asked you to do? To participate on the level God's asked you to participate on. I said it last Sunday, or maybe I said it Wednesday night. It gets a little confusing for me. How often I say stuff. Are you praying right now? You should begin praying right now about somebody you can invite to the Billy Graham, Franklin Graham meeting in September 24th. I mean, start praying right now. Start praying over that neighbor. You call him a, a dirty rascal. I'll use good language for you. You call him that they may be a pain in your neck. But are you praying about praying for them right now? And then go over and ask them. Invite them. Put them on. Write their name on a list and begin praying for them right now. I'm going to invite them to come with me to see Franklin Graham on September 24th. See, all of you can participate. All of you play a part, young and old alike. There are people you should be praying for, people people you should be talking to, and way that you should be living so that your neighbor looks at you and says, that's a real believer. I want to be like them. Stand to your feet, please. Love the messages when I get to pat you on the back and say you're awesome. Then there are messages like this where I have to look at you and say, get busy. Motivate you to do something out of a passion for Christ Jesus. We love that he's Savior. Do you know him as Lord? Bow your head, close your eyes. Maybe you're here today. On this afternoon, July 17th, are you in a good real relationship with Jesus Christ. And if it's possible that you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if it's possible that you've gathered with us on this afternoon and and there's some question as to whether or not you'd spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I can assure you, you're not going to heaven. But 
Maybe you've asked him at some time in your life, but you've walked away from him and you're not living for him. If that's your situation or story right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, nobody's talking to somebody else. In this moment, you want to declare, I am not sure where I am relationally with the Lord, but I want to be sure. I want to make sure things are good between God and I. You lift your hand up right where you're at. Say, I got to get things right with the Lord. Say, I want to make sure. I'm waiting a moment longer. Thank you. Now I want to talk to you believers for just a minute. It's convenient to call Him Savior. There may be some inconvenience with calling Him Lord. Because anyone that you refer to as Lord, you walk in obedience to them. Is it possible God spoke some stuff into your life and you've not walked in obedience to that? Maybe you'd lift your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I need to work on that area of my life. It's okay. I know you still love Jesus, but maybe some struggle in saying yes. You can put your hands down. For that first group that I mentioned, if there's anybody here that you know that you're not in a right place with Christ Jesus, and you've, or perhaps you years ago asked Him to come into your heart, but you've not been living right. If you're here today and that's your story, your situation, and you want to put an exclamation point where there's a question mark, you want to be sure you're in a right relationship with Christ, would you be bold enough to leave that pew and come forward right now? You say, i got to get things right with the Lord. I want to be sure I'm in a right place with Christ Jesus. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm asking you to get in a right place with Christ Jesus today. Remove that question mark this morning. Come on down. We're waiting for you. We got time for you. Thank you, sister, for being bold enough to step out of that pew. I want to reassure you that Jesus was bold enough to go to the cross. He was bold enough to shed his blood. He was willing to go through the pain and suffering so that you could spend all of eternity with him in heaven. And so today marks that dividing line when you say yes I'm committing my life or recommitting my life to Christ. And and you will walk out of here like a brand new believer, like a brand new baby with sins forgiven in your life right with Christ. Just pray this prayer with me, would you please? Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life. And thank you, Jesus, for coming out of that grave, proving your power over death from this moment. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. 
every wrong I've ever committed. And I say to you, you are my Lord. Amen. Amen. She can take care of you. Could you walk right over there with that sister right now? As we cheer for that sister, it reminds me that you have a neighbor. You have a workmate. Who unless you tell them that Jesus died for them, they don't go to heaven. Would you be mindful today of a friend, of a neighbor, of a loved one, of a workmate? And begin praying for them. And then asking Jesus, give me the courage to ask, to ask them, has anyone ever told you, these simple words, has anyone ever told you that Christ loves you, He died for you, and He has a great plan for your life? See how simple that is? And you just need to make sure for them or on their behalf. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you, Lord, that you've raised up a bold army of believers. I thank you, God, we have the privilege and joy of not only sharing this good news with our community, but with our friends, our family, our neighbors, our communities, Lord Jesus, that you've made us a part of. We have the joy and privilege of linking arms with hundreds of other churches as we bring in an evangelist that will make sure they hear that Jesus loved them. And gave his very best for them. So God help us. To be one of those participating churches. One of those churches that makes sure. That we bear the responsibility of taking the good news of Jesus. To the community that surrounds us. Bless our people Lord. Strengthen them. Give them courage. To be great men, women and young people. That love you Lord. Amen. Amen. Love you folks. Have a blessed day today. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website www.centralfamily.net or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.